Welcome to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice, where we talk football, horse racing, and whatever, food, wine, travel. Let me know by emailing us at oddsendendspod at gmail.com or tweeting at odds, the letter N, ends, pod. This week I am talking about the NFL. I have some thoughts and questions as teams begin training camp. And we will be talking horse racing with Hall of Fame trainer and two-time triple crown winning horse trainer, Bob Baffert. I got the horse right here. The name is Paul Revere. And here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do, can do, can do. Welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. Today my guest is Hall of Fame trainer Bob Baffert. Bob, how you doing today? Um, pretty good. Now, down at Del Mar, you know, you just can't beat this weather and this, you know, it's nice to be down here. Yeah, it really is. And and uh, I was down there last weekend, had a decent weekend until the last day. It always seems that's the way it is. You have a good weekend, you give it all back on that last day. 13-time classic win trainer Bobby. Five Derby wins, 97-98 with Silver Charm and Real Quiet. 2002, a little forgotten one. I almost forgot about till I looked up the stats with War Emblem. 2015, of course, with American Pharaoh, Triple Crown winner, and then come right back with another Triple Crown winner, 2018 with Justify. Tell me which one of those Kentucky Derby wins stands out the most to you, or all of them. I think the, the one that stands out the most is probably... Um Silver Charm, because it was the first one, and the year before, in 96, I'd gone there for the first time with a California bred uh, gelding, and I, I was just hoping maybe to run fourth, I would have been happy just to light the board, and then he took the lead with an eighth of a mile to go, and this horse came flying on the outside, and I got nailed by just like about an inch or two. And I still thought I'd won the race because the horse was way far out to the angle. It was really bad. So uh, the only thing I took from that, uh, Mike, is that I knew what it felt like to win the Kentucky Derby for about two minutes before they hung the number up. <laughs> but then you came right back in two in a row in 97 and 98. I mean, what a great feeling that is to do it twice in a row. You probably thought, okay, this isn't too tough. I'm going to get a dozen of these. I actually thought that, and... And then I, I went back with a horse uh, named Point Given. It was 2001. Yep. And I thought he was such a good horse, and I really thought he was going to win the Triple Crown because I'd actually gone through the Triple Crown with Silver Charm and Real Quiet. Yes. And Real Quiet, he's the one that got beat a nose, another one that got nailed in the wire, and it was a $5 million bonus. I remember that. That means 500000 to the trainer that could have really used that 500000 <laughs> back in Back in 1998. That's a lot of money back in 98 and still a lot of money today. You have, you have a million dollars. So Point Given did come back, though, and win 2001 Horse of the Year. I mean, that was another really great horse that you trained. Uh, tell us a little bit about Point Given. Yeah, he was like, you know, I, I really thought he was as close as a horse I'd get to Secretariat. And he uh, he won the uh, Sandy the Derby, just galloped around there, and we went to, uh, to Kentucky, and we were so I was just, I think we were just all over overconfident, and he had an outside post, and Gary Stevens was riding for me, and uh, but the track was really fast that day. It was we we ran a filly, and her 
allowance race, non-winners of two races, and she breaks the track record. I mean, you talk about there's been some serious horses running Churchill down, and this little filly breaks the track record. So that just tells you how how fast the track was, is hard and fast. You know, at point given, he just so everybody you know thought they had to be up there close, and point given was just too close. He got tired of just chasing. That wasn't the way he wanted to run. And Gary Stevens came back and said, "Hey, boss, he doesn't want to run that way." <laughs> I said, "Well." You know, you know, it's too bad, but uh, uh, and then he won the Preakness, and then he won the Belmont by like 12, 13 lanes. That was sickening watching that, but, you know, they're still exciting, and I've always felt, I've always thought, you know, there's a reason, you know, there's a reason things happened, and it just wasn't my time. Well, he did finish fifth that year, Bobby, and then he did come back, like you said, win the Preakness Belma, came back and won the Haskell, and uh, and also won the Travers. So that's a hell of a year, and that's why he got the Horse of the Year in 2001. It turned out to be a, a, a really nice nice horse for you and a, and a great season for a point given. No, no, he was he was a big horse. You know, I remember we ran him in the Haskell. And we, weren't, we were not going to run him in the Haskell. And two weeks before the Haskell, I had just been walking him. I hadn't done anything with him after the Belmont. And I get a call, and he was owned by a Saudi Arabian prince. And he says, I want to run in the Haskell. <laughs> <laughs> so we got him ready in two weeks, and he wasn't even, he barely won that day. But, you know, that's the really good one, Mike, is they show you when they, he came to the top of the stretch, and he was completely empty and gutted out, but he got there just because those great horses, they find a way, just like all great athletes. And he he wanted to win, and you know he got up there and won that race. But that was all. That was a lot of pressure on on all of us, and even Gary Stevens. You know, it was that was a, that was, a, and it was. I think it was about a hundred two. It was. They talk about heat index. It was a lot higher than it was last weekend. You know, so uh, well times. Still ran it. Well, as you know, times have changed in horse racing. So now they're 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 just like football with the head injuries. They're they're erring on the side of caution in horse racing and. As you alluded to last week in Monmouth, they shut down a bunch of races, moved the Haskell uh, up to like 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, and they were worried about horses' safety, and they were worried about jockey safety and fan safety, I guess. But, uh, yeah, 102 degrees on that Haskell. It was only, I think I looked, it was only like 93 or 94 the other day. Yeah, and so, well, go ahead. Yeah, yeah well, the thing is, a lot of people don't understand that when, when they run the heat like that, we're... These, these horses are, are hydrated, We, you know, and it's not as hard on them as it is. We keep them watered down, cooled off. So, um, And then when they run, you know, they're, they're running. It's like a breeze, so it's not as hard on them, you know. So, uh, you know, you can have a horse soaking wet, and they come out of the gate, they come back, they're dry because, you know, it's like their own fan, you know, going around there. But um, it's, you know, but, you know, we all, you know, it's, it's a different world we live in, so we, you know, we got to, like you said, we gotta, you know, just be more cautious about everything. Yeah, and I I want to go to family. I know family is so important to you. I've been blessed to meet the, uh, all the members of your family and get to see the boys a lot of times at the track. Got a chance to see uh, Forrest and Bodie and Taylor this week. Uh, Canyon didn't make it. He's back in Virginia, I, I guess, working. And uh, it's really important for you. I see many pictures. I look at your website, and I have the book from the Preakness that uh, that uh, Mike won, and, uh, and Pagram, that is. And 
your family members are there, and it's it's really important for you to have the boys and your family around, isn't it? Well, you know what? When I grew up in Nogales, Arizona, you know, a big Catholic family, there were seven of us. But you know what? That's one thing. My my parents, we were always clo- very close, and I'm still very close to my brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, we talk to each other constantly, uh, and so when I have something going on, you know, that's you know that's one thing I miss about my parents. You know, they, they 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 got to share all the derby wins with me. They were there, and you know, got you know excitement. They but they never got to see a triple crown winner. They weren't around for Pharaoh, but. Um, that's one thing they instilled in us when we were young to stay close together. You know, your families. You know, my best friends are my my family members. You know, and and when I have my kids with me, my boys, they're you know they're in their well, one's thirty two, thirty, and twenty eight, and my daughter's twenty four. But it's uh, you know I like to share it with them, and they they have a great time. You know, they they get to go there and enjoy it, and be part of it, and uh, so. I think that's that's the beauty about horse racing is you know you it brings families closer together, friends closer together, people that own the horse, and everybody gets to know everybody. And you know the horse really just brings people together, especially a really good horse. But uh, one thing about my family members, though, they become very good handicappers, Mike. Oh, they got all uh, these. <laughs> if, if I have a horse in the Derby and he looks like he doesn't have a chance to win. I don't get a call from any of them that they need tickets for the Derby or nothing. <laughs> There's just, it's silence, right? So, uh, I mean, oh, that, that's that funny. American Pharaoh, when American Pharaoh won the Arkansas Derby, and he just like threw it in the gear and just gallops off, went by five under a, a hole. You had cousins calling you, day. you didn't know, you, you had cousins oh, calling you, you didn't I, know you had, right? <laughs> oh, I got so many friends, hey, Oh, that's funny. But, um, but it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of fun, but, you know, it, it's all worth it at the end. Yeah, it is. Winning is, there's nothing like winning. And two Triple Crown wins, uh, you know, the first with American Pharaoh, which was a, a feat in and by itself, and then to come back a couple of years later in 18 with Justify and, and uh, Hall of Fame writer Mikey Smith. I, I just really enjoyed that one. And any other thing I wanted to note about Justify, you broke the you broke the jinx of the unraced two-year-old, and to go out there and have an unraced two-year-old go out and win the Triple Crown, that's a, a feat in and by itself. And uh, congratulations on those two things. Tell us a little bit about the, the ride and the thrill of the ride with those Triple Crowns. You know what? It was, um, you know, I, when I, Amer- the year of American Pharaoh, 2015, I had another good horse. His name was Dorman. And I really thought he could be a Triple Crown horse. Um and so um, he wins the Santa Anita Derby, looks great, undefeated, coming in there. But then that Pharaoh was just coming off of a long layoff. He just won the Rebel really impressively. But he was working, like, unbelievable. He was showing me things that are just that of horses that I hadn't seen. And so um, when I took him to the Arkansas Derby, and... Um, Frank Miramati, who's the announcer there, real good friend of mine, and uh, he was doing the track announcing. And I called him up about two hours before the race, and I, and I didn't go. I was watching at home. Uh, I sent my sister Jimmy. I said, Frank, I said, uh, are you ready for this call? And he says, What do you think? He says, You think it's going to be a beatdown? Well, if he gets away, you know, I don't want to jinx myself, but if he gets away clean and everything, 
I think it could be a beatdown, so you better be prepared because, you know, they're going to be showing this is your chance for announcer. They're going to be showing whatever you say is going to be big, you know. And that was one of the best calls. I mean, I, I still, when I hear it, he said American Farrell starts making this move, and Victor Espinosa was on him, and uh, he said it's American Farrell. Hasn't been asked the questions, but we all know the answer. That was he had a great line there. I said, man, well, you, you, you you nailed that one, dude. Well, and that horse when he when he won that race, Mike, I knew right there. I said, oh my God, this is this this could be the one right here. And you know he, but you know what he he had a it was a nail biter in the Derby. He didn't run like like he really I I thought he could, but he still got it done. But after that, it was clear sailing. Oh, it was he, just easy. Oh, and that win in the Belmont, that, that was something special, too. He just dominated that day. You know, we knew we were confident, but I didn't want to say anything because I, I didn't want to disrespect or upset any of the trainers. Because, you know, there's, you, know there's, you go in there, and those other years I went in there, there's a lot of hostility and stuff. So, you know, they're trying to beat you. But all the jockeys and the trainers, they had so much respect for that horse. They just want. They were wanting to run. They just wanted to run second. You know, yeah, right. you right. You know, it's like almost. You know, we can't beat them. And so um, it was one of those things where um, it was a, one of the greatest sporting events I've ever been to because everybody was there to watch him win. The crowd it was like hundred thousand people there, and it was so loud. I'll never forget um, uh, that horse coming down. It was so loud. The place was shaking. And it was loud for another minute or so. The scream, the yelling, it was just, it, it was intense. I'll never forget. I just kept saying to myself, man, this is so loud. And I never, the, the just, I was watching it all with everybody else. But it was very emotional. You know, I was thinking about my parents, you know, too bad they couldn't have been there and what I've been through. And, and, and then finally I, I got it done. And then, and here comes Justify a couple oh, years later. Unbelievable. But that was that was different, though, Mike. When I went in there, I felt a lot of hostility from the other <laughs> trainers. I said, this is too easy. This guy's coming in here. These guys have been preparing the horse. All of a sudden, this horse justified. He joins the party late. He's like a walk-on. And now he's like he's like Mahone, you know. Right. He comes in there and takes over this, this thing, you know. And uh, so they were really going to come after us hard. And they did. They came after us hard. Uh but you know what? He was just so good. There, those horses are just so superior, and and that's what it takes to win the Breeders. I mean, the Triple Crown. It just you know they don't get tired. They just keep going. They're fast. They get out of trouble, and they keep going. It was pretty. It was fun to see uh, uh, Gronkowski. They named that horse after him. He ran second. It was. He, he was really funny watching his horse run. But it was it was a great name. Well, and you're training for are you training for Gronk now? I saw a picture of you with him in the in the paddock. You got a horse with him? No, 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 no. He was no, he was he was uh, he was there to watch that horse. Oh, I got it. I got and um, and so he was there. And, you know, he was just having a good time. One thing about Gronk, he does have a, he does ha- he has a good time wherever he goes. And uh, but he he really enjoyed it. And at least the horse showed up and ran a big race and yes. uh, mm-hmm. didn't embarrass him. The Breeders, speaking of the Breeders' Cup, three Breeders' Cup classics. Your first one, 2014. I, I, I couldn't believe when I looked that up. 2014 with Bayer, and then you came back 15, 16 with American Pharaoh and a really nice horse, Arrogate. Those, I don't know, You, I can't speak for you, but I don't know if that, that gives you a lot of pleasure, but it can't give you as much pleasure as winning the Kentucky Derby, can it? 
Well, they're they're two different animals. You know, the Kentucky Derby is the greatest race in American history. You know, that's the one that you want to win. I mean, it's the toughest. There's 20 horses. You know, it's a big field. You need a lot of luck. It's hard to get there. You know, you need you have to be good that day. And you know, the the numbers were Breeders' Cup Classic. You know, you got a lot. You can run if you don't run it well. You can come back next year or whatever. But the the Derby's one shot. But yeah. My my Breeders' Cup Classic, you were standing right next to me when I won that. I'll never yeah. forget that. And yeah. uh, and the television, it showed us you behind me. Yeah. And you know what you could tell? What? You didn't bet on my horse. That's what I could tell. <laughs> I, remember, I remember you told that to me. I hate to admit <laughs> um, it, but you're right. The, I did. The heavy favorite got me. And everybody in the box was like, I'm the only one that was happy uh. within the... You know, 10 feet of the area. Oh, I remember that. And I remember you digging me on that, too. And you're, I can't lie, you're exactly right. A seven Anita Derby, seven Santa Anita Derby winners. And uh, only one that can beat you in Derby wins is Gary Stevens with nine when he beat the great Shoemaker with his ninth win when he was tied with him for, with eight. But seven Santa Anita Derbies, that's your home track. That's got to be an important race to you. No, it is. You know what? It's not only is it an important race, but when you win the San Anita Derby, you know you just punch your, your ticket to go to the Kentucky Derby. Yes. And you can start dreaming about what it would feel like. And the, the owners, they start feeling the group. Like, you know, you've got to go, you know, they got to go buy their outfits. The women have to go buy their outfits. They want to look good. And I'll never forget my wife, Jill. She's, you know, we go to these derbies, you know, almost every year. And she says, what are you going to get? You know, she'd go to the west side, Beverly Hills, go pick something out. And and um, and so I asked her the year of 2015, I had Dortmund and, and American Pharaoh. I said, uh, well, are you going to go to the west side to go pick something out? She says, no, I don't know yet. I might just wear something I wore last year. Because one thing about women, when, when it comes to fashion, but when they... When a horse gets beat, the first thing Jill says, well, we didn't win, so I can wear this outfit again because nobody saw us on television, you know. So I'll never forget, I said, are you going to go to the West Side? She says, I'm not sure what I'm going to wear. I said, I might wear something that I have before. Because I, and I said, how about Dortmund? He just won the San Diego Derby. says, I'm not sold on that horse. And when American Pharaoh won, I'll never forget. She she was super superstitious. She went watches in one room. I watched in the in the main room. And when he crossed the wire, she came out. And I had some friends there with me. She came by. And says, "Now that's a derby horse. <laughs> I'm going to the west side tomorrow." <laughs> Give me but, your credit card. <laughs> exactly. Let's go, Bob. So it, you know, and that's another thing. People think that we win the derby and the trainer set for life. We're not. You know, we get ten percent of the purse. Right. So I'll make like. 120,000 that's it you know and I got to you know take care of everybody else that works for me and everything but um, and, and so when you go to Kentucky and you bring your family and you got to fly everybody in it's like you know you're talking about $30,000 you a know lot it, of overhead. It, you got to run first for first or second it, it's expensive you know and yeah. the, you know everything the rooms they'll get you in there everything you know triples in price but um you know, it's it's that's why you got to win, and I, I don't like to go on with that. I have a really good chance. The Burger King, the Burger King, 2015. You had Mr. Burger King standing next to you uh, at the Belmont, I believe, 
And you had told yeah, them, that was it. right. You had told them no uh, for the Preakness, but you said yes for the for the Belmont. And I just want to make sure the fans know that. Sure, you made you got a couple bucks for that, but you and your wife Jill made some large donations to charity, including the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, and and that's that's what it's all about. You know, you you got a chance to do something. You got a chance to make a little extra money because of the success of the horse and the success of your great training job, but then to go ahead and take care of some people that need it and some, you know, horse, horses, kids, uh, jockeys. Uh, I think that's great of you and Jill to do that, Bob. And congratulations on that. Well, thank you. You know, it, uh, you know, Jill. She's always, uh, you know, just the horses. We that's one thing about in our in our when I was growing up, everybody ever. You know, when I was little and stuff, you know, you never heard, thought about that. You know, like, where did the horses go afterwards? Nobody right. ever, I don't know. You know, right. like, right. you know, but now, you know, I think industry is making big changes and these homes, you know, these horses are finding homes. And uh, and so it, it's really good. I and mean, everybody steps up, so it's good. And the, and the jockey, the uh, the jockey fund that I get, the injured jockeys, it, it's that's a big thing. That is I, a big you know, thing, I'm, yes. Yes. These guys, and we just had a thing at Santa Anita Forum, and you see these guys in their their wheelchairs, and they're they're just, but they're still happy as can be, and they they wouldn't they wouldn't have changed anything in their life. They would still would have done what they did, and uh, they're just fearless, and they're great guys, and uh, and we, you know I help them as much as I can. <laughs> Let's take a little break from Bob's interview and get back to that shortly. But it's time to talk a little NFL football. As training camps have started and the weather's heating up, the pads are coming on, we've got lots of storylines, units to follow, players and teams to keep an eye on over the next month. As always in the National Football League, there are some great storylines as training camps open up. Let's start with Arizona Cardinals and Kyle Murray. I'm anxious to see how he fits into that air raid offense of Coach Cliff Kingsbury. Most importantly, how's he protected and how has he kept upright long enough to make a big play down the field? The Atlanta Falcons, they spent $80 million on their offensive line in the offseason to help protect Matt Ryan, who was hit 108 times last year and sacked 42 times. I hope it works out for the Falcons. Then there's the Cleveland Browns and the Dog Pound. Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. I like this combination. I like this team if the offensive line can keep Baker Mayfield upright. The Buffalo Bills. Can the Buffalo Bills and new offensive line coach Bobby Johnson protect Josh Allen so he can make plays? He was sacked 28 times last year. I like their chances. The Los Angeles Rams. Can the LA Rams maintain their level of play or will teams catch up to them? Big question. The Minnesota Vikings. Will the Minnesota Vikings offensive line give Kirk Cousins the opportunity to throw the ball deep, which is one of his big strengths? Then there's the Philadelphia Eagles. How will the Eagles fly without Nick Foles? Carson Wentz is the man. And the Tennessee Titans. Can Marcus Mariota take the Titans to the next level this year? Those storylines and many others that come up as training camps heat up, the pads come on, and players and coaches work towards the start of the 2019 NFL season. And now back to my interview with Hall of Fame trainer Bob Baffert. Can do, can do, 
this guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do, can do. You had an acting career, a brief one, I think, an episode of, was it Home Chef, Home Chef or Home Chief? What, what was that? Tell me no, about that. No, you know what, that, that, was, that was, I really, actually, I had a little bit in Arliss. Remember that show, Arliss? Yeah, I do, I do, right, right. A sports show, and I played myself, and the thing is, somebody, they got me after I won the second Kentucky Derby win, um, so uh, they got me on there, and I played myself, I'm at a bar, and these guys are going to invest these athletes' money. They're trying to, you know, you know, they're they're in, they're they're like the hedge fund, the sports athletes, whatever. So they decided they would could make money if they claimed a horse for a hundred thousand. So they asked me at the bar, bar, and I, they gave me these lines. And I'll never forget. It's difficult because you got to repeat it. And 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 the guy Arliss, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, um, but when I was all done, it took about four hours we're shooting this thing at some little restaurant and when I left there I said how'd I do and he said <laughs> in front of everybody Bob keep your day job but you're, I'm going to make you look good <laughs> that's funny well, and, and, and sure enough he did make me look good but you know what I, I knew right then I believe, I'm definitely not an actor let's talk about the scare in Dubai in 2012 you had uh you had a little health issue. You had a, a heart attack. It's been well publicized, and uh, it had to make you think about you know how hard you were pushing yourself and the travel, and the things you were doing to uh, stay at the top and be at the top. Uh, tell tell the fans about that a little bit, Bob. Well, you know what? I, first of all, I wasn't listening to my doctors. They told me I had high cholesterol, and being that there wasn't any heart. And they told me, if you don't watch it, you're going to, and I wasn't taking my medicine. And if you don't uh, watch yourself, you you could have a heart attack. But, you know, my grandparents, my parents, nobody had heart issues. So, so I just thought, oh, I'm not going to worry about that. But uh, I know one thing about two weeks before I went there, I noticed that I was getting really, my I was getting, I'd walk and I was breathing hard. Like people said, they talked to me on the phone. If I was walking, I was breathing hard. If I went upstairs, I was breathing hard. And I was, I could tell. I even, and I noticed that because people at my age, first thing they ask me, what did you feel? What were the symptoms? But I noticed that my, my, my nails weren't growing. My hair wasn't growing like a month out. I, and I noticed these little things. And all of a sudden, I get there. We're on the flight. I wasn't feeling good, but I'd been up late, you know, to pack to go. And when I got there, I ate these dates. Every time I go to Dubai, they, they, they when you check in the hotel, they got these big dates, and that's the only time I ever eat dates when I go to Dubai. But they're good. I, I the love dates. dates. They're good. <laughs> yeah, they're right. good, those dates there. It's yeah. the only place you eat them, but, <laughs> but I thought I had an indigestion. So my wife, I went to the bar, and I was exhausted and really, really tired, really, really tired. So she said, why don't you... If you have any, uh, just drink a, uh, uh, a soft drink, just drink it really fast. That was the, uh, my wife's from Tennessee, so that's what we use. We don't use towns. We just drink the, the Pepsi or Coke, whatever, just drink it fast. And it, it did help out a little bit. But later that night, you know, I, I woke up again, and I had, I had this chest pain, like a, just not like a sharp pain, but like somebody was pressing on my chest. And that's when we realized we were having a heart attack. And, um, 
it was scary. I mean, I really didn't think I was going to get out of there. I really thought, here I am in Dubai. I have no shot at all. So I'm telling my wife, you need to do this. You need to sell the horses. Just keep one. Keep the one silly. Sell the rest. <laughs> Jimmy, I always told Jimmy, if I ever drop dead in the shed row, if I have my tennis shoes on, run to my car. I have a pair of boots in the back of my car. Put them on me before they come get me. I want to die with my boots on. Oh, and so, and I said, and he gets everything. You can have the tax. The business is yours. So, and I was just telling her everything. And but this doctor from there, he was from uh, India, and he had practiced medicine in in England. And Sheikh Mohammed, uh, he sent his team in there, and they fixed me up. And I've been good ever since. But that cholesterol med- medicine, that's you know. Um, you know, I, I I stayed on and I you know tried to exercise a little bit. I was pretty good for about three years, but now I've sort of lost the fear a little bit. And I got to get back to it. Well, good. Then maybe I nudged you a little bit. So I'm going to finish with a couple of horses here. Real quiet, looking at Lucky Arrogate, point given horse of the year in 2001. We spoke about, of course, the wonderful American Pharaoh, Justify, Bayern, Silver Charm. Tell me where McKinsey fits in there. I'll tell you what, McKenzie is getting there. He, he's he's a really good horse. Um, he's headed to the Whitney, um, and he worked today. And he just he couldn't be doing any better. But he's a horse that he's it's, he's matured slowly. He was um, big, tall, lanky kind of horse by Street Sense who won the Derby. I think Street Sense, you know, he was getting better with age, but you know. I think Mike Smith's been riding him. I think we finally figured out his style a little bit. He just want to be really pressed early, and he's got a good kick. But uh, I think he could be one of my, you know, he's top five best horses. I think he's just get better and better. And um, but but the one I tell you, one horse that was just incredible, and you got to see him run was Airgate. Mm-hmm. Incredible racehorse. He could be one of the best I ever trained. He was just unbelievable uh going a mile and a quarter you know mile and an eighth mile and a quarter he was just he had a he had an engine on him and, and if anybody's listening to google go to airgate go to a dubai world cup and that night when he broke horribly and and he was last and he had no chance at all and he ran down you know the eventual horse of the year that um and that was the most incredible performance of a horse that I've ever trained in my life. It was like out of a Hollywood script. You know, you just don't win those races like like he did that night, and it was pretty incredible. But, you know, Pharaoh, American Pharaoh will always be my favorite because he was not only he was a superior racehorse, Mike, but his demeanor, I could bring a three-year-old child up to a stall, and he would he would just nudge him and, and love on him, and he was just the sweetest, nicest horse. And um, matter of fact, if 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 he was a football player, he would be Drew Brees. I met him, and I was with him the other night. That has got to be the nicest uh, guy I've ever met. You know, just a you, you you wouldn't think a guy as competitive as him, and how you know he's just the nicest person. And um, I'm not saying you're not nice, Mike, but you know you're you're. You know, you can turn it on when you want to. This guy, you know, he, he, you know, Farrell was that way. He was just really, and you know, once he got in that gate, you know, he turned into this different kind of, you know, 
competitive uh, animal, but that's what Drew is. Really sweet. You ever you ever see those clips of Drew bringing the team up before the game on those replay shows, and he's one leading the cheers when that when those lights come on. Drew Brees is like that. He's like like you said, good comparison. America, nicest guy, sweetest guy, but boy, when those lights come on, he turns into a different beast. How about any two-year-olds out there that you can tell the fans about to keep an eye on? Anyone training great? Anyone training superior that you don't, you, you're not afraid to tell anybody you know, about? You I, I, I got a, I got a, I got a, a few of them there. They're just, they're coming. They're going to get ready in waves, you know. Uh, uh, I've got a, uh, I got some, you know, the top ones right now. I have a horse called Garth, who's named after. Her, the name of the, the the mother's name was Country Star, so it's uh, in the midst. They called it uh, Garth. Oh, after Garth Brooks, and uh, yeah, for Garth Brooks, and um, he looks pretty good. He hasn't run yet. Uh, you get a lot of hype. I have a horse called Mohawk. I have a horse called Eight Rings. Um, they're just just coming in waves right now, and there's more coming. But uh, I, I don't like to get them ready too early. Because mm-hmm. I, I want them to be good three-year-olds. You know, so if you get them ready too early, if they get injured, it's like. Uh, so I, I, I like to bring them along and slowly and at their own pace. Because um, they tell you, but, when, uh, they tell you when I've heard this before. They tell you when they're ready, don't they, Bob? Is it? Uh, yeah, but the really good ones will tell you because the really good ones they, they don't get tired. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've got a their vascular muscle twitch, whatever they call it. They don't get tired. They they do things. Effortlessly, and those are the those. That's when they start separating themselves. One of the things I've noticed about your horses and good horses, but of course I'm a, a fan of yours and watched uh, watch all your horses run and and have you on my trainer alert, so I always know when you're running something. But all the good ones that seems like all these ones that you we've talked about today seem to run in the turns. They they like to run not just in a straightaway, but they run in the turns. Is that is am I looking at that the wrong way, or is that something that stands out with these good horses? Well, I mean, that means they're they're not you know when they come to the middle of the turn. That's when you ask them to run, but they're right. uh, they're uh, uh, the good ones. They just you know that's one thing about when you go to a big race. You know, no matter where you go, you just hope. I just, I just hope that when they turn for home, we have something to root for. There's nothing worse when the horse starts falling back mm-hmm. at the, you know, before they get to the quarter ball. Then you know you've got no chance at all. But just like the other day in the in the Haskell, I took that, you know, maximum security. They turned for home, and there was little, for about a split second there, I thought maybe I, could, I was going to beat him, and you know, and then that horse just, you know, he just dug deep and wouldn't let us by. But uh, you know, it's exciting. You know, that that's what makes racing exciting is that. You know, you get to root for them, and uh, it's just, um, you know, there's no there's no better feeling than owning a horse and or training a horse, and and he and you know he just rewards you with with just they just put on them and they they just love to compete. Those horses love to compete, and they know when they win because I remember all my good horses they they have this certain presence about them. You bring them out. They hear the cameras clicking, and they just stand there listening to them, looking over them. I mean, they they know they're uh, they know they're, they're the shit, is what you're saying. <laughs> they know, yeah, they, yeah, the, I could say that. This is shiz. a podcast. <laughs> they know they know they're the shit. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time today. I know you get a chance to spend a little time with the family today, so I'll let you go. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, good luck the rest of the meet. Good luck the rest of the year, Bob. Thank you, Mike. 
Well, that's it for this week's episode of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. Join us next week when we delve a little deeper into those training camp thoughts from the NFL. I'd like to give a special shout-out to Pete Bag for the cover art for this podcast. Have a great night and talk to you next week. One minute to post time, approaching the gate.